Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome, everyone, to Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. This is a special show today on Wednesday. We're speaking with Norbert Orr, who follows 18 surveys around the world based on the ISM uh, theory of developing the Purchasing Managers Index. We'll also be speaking with Chong Wang, who is our international correspondent for Asia. Lou, how are you doing today? Doing good. Uh, We have no news today. Today, however, is the day that Donald Trump Donald Trump is supposed to be signing a directive to uh, uh, create uh, apprenticeship programs in expanding industries in the United States. So we'll see how how that works. I don't know what time he's supposed to do that today, but uh, I'm sure we'll hear about it probably in a tweet. Uh, So take it from there, Tim. All right, and we're going to get right to Norbert Orr and uh, then uh, follow him up with uh, Chung Wang. Keep in mind that next week we have a great show coming up on the potential next uh, downturn in our economic affairs, uh, tragically similar to 2007-2008, if that should occur. So let's get to our guest. Welcome, everyone. We are with Norbert Orr, who is with uh, Strategus Research Partners. He joins us as one of our senior correspondents. He follows 18 purchasing managers indices around the world. They're all based on the formulation that ISM has shared. He also follows several of them in the United States. We're always welcome. Always glad to have Norbert with us on the show. He always brings a lot of information and good depth. Norbert, welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks. Good to be with you. So just before the show, we were talking about what's hot and what's not. What are the not hot areas of the world at the moment? Because we'll do the bad news first and the good news after. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, you know, the the trouble spots of the countries that have uh, struggled most recently are South Korea and Brazil. And even this month, Brazil uh, came up from 50.1, meaning very uh, shallow growth, uh, to where they registered 52 this month. So that's a a streak of about 26 months for Brazil that we've seen uh, contraction taking place. Uh, South Korea, uh, the story there is um, manufacturing in South Korea is huge. And it's huge companies, and uh, uh, those companies have struggled uh, recently. Uh, They have worldwide distribution, and so uh, their domestic market in Korea hasn't been as strong as some of their global markets, and uh, I would expect that to to pick up a little bit uh, uh, over the course of the balance of the year to where we probably see uh, Korea uh, average out at above 50 for the second half of the year. So uh, those are the, the two real trouble spots uh, and some of the others, uh, obviously. I don't comment much on Russia. Uh, uh, they consistently uh, are in recession. 
Uh, not a lot of activity in the economy there. And, uh, there's a few other countries that, uh, that we don't talk about. So uh, if we go over to the brighter side of things, Tim, uh, we would want to probably start with uh, Europe. Uh, things have changed once again in Europe. Uh, uh, we, we have uh, now, I think, eight months since Brexit, and uh, they uh, took a big step backward in my thought process uh, with the uh, uh, SNAP election that they had uh, recently. Right. Uh, the right. uh, Conservative Party lost ground. They were tried, They thought they were going into the election, thought they were going to gain ground. Uh, and so it really weakens the position uh, and particularly weakens the position of um, uh, it, it, it sent a message that maybe the Brits don't want to uh, go through the uh, exit as process as, as much as they thought they did when they conducted the original vote. So it's going to make it difficult for the UK to uh, negotiate with the rest of the with the EU on trade agreements and that type of thing because they're not going to take as strong a mandate domestically into uh, into the negotiation right. table. Uh, the rest of Europe, though, uh, is uh, is doing extremely well right now, as is the UK. UK. The, the number, and, and remember, anything above 50 is growth. And uh, the number in the, from the U.K. this month was 56.7, down from 57.3, but still a, a very strong number. Then we look at what's going on in the Eurozone, and uh, overall the Eurozone was at a 57, so very similar to the U.K., and a very strong number. Uh, so uh, manufacturing has picked up uh, significantly in, in Europe, in the U.K., and uh, that's uh, ultimately positive for the U.S. because the uh, the U.K. in particular is a natural trading partner for us. So uh, when it, if if, uh, if their economy is doing well, uh, then it helps us significantly, and and particularly the number of companies that have uh, plants in Europe and the U.K. Uh, that are uh, U.S. based. We we don't measure that from the standpoint of uh, the business survey, but it's certainly a uh, positive for those uh, those companies that, uh, that do that. A company like Procter & Gamble, I believe, has over 100 plants uh, offshore. So uh, what global economy is doing has, certainly has an impact on them. Robert, let me ask you, let me ask you to digress for a moment to go back to South Korea. What uh, and I'm, I'm sure it's a negative one, but uh, what what effect is North Korea and their shenanigans having to do with South Korea and the, that whole area, the Philippines, Australia, and so on? Yeah, uh, I, I think it's more about sentiment than anything else, to, uh, Lewis. Um, the um, um, People look at uh, things pessimistically. They don't make commitments. They don't buy. They don't do you know as many things as they might have done otherwise when they don't have uh, uh, this type of type of conflict facing them. So right. uh, I, I think it 
in terms of uh, what does it do to supply and demand, uh, they really don't trade together. They really uh, uh, really uh, don't recognize the existence of the other party. Uh, North Korea trades with China a good bit, and uh, that's one of the reasons that uh, many feel that China can be more influential uh, than that. Uh, personally, I'm holding out for Dennis Rodman. Uh, <laughs> and that may not uh, be a surprise either. I don't know whether you've seen that or not, that uh, Dennis is in North Korea once again meeting yeah. with them. And he apparently has the ear of uh, of the North Koreans. Now, uh, you, you may think it's strange, um, but uh, Rodman was on The Apprentice with uh, with Donald Trump. Uh, for two years, so he knows Mr. Trump quite well, and uh, he actually may be able to add some value to uh, a cooling of the relationship and so on, uh, uh, and keep things uh, uh, from getting out of hand as far as the North Koreans are concerned. So, he he may be our uh, diplomat in uh, in residence uh, in North Korea right now. He'll become our North Korean ambassador. Right. <laughs> He's still there, I understand. He went there last uh, this past week. Yeah, I lost the t- the timeline on all of it, but I know he was there, and I know he was going to be there a few days, and I know he uh, apparently uh, uh, Kim Jong Un likes Rodman and pays some attention to him. Well, not only does he like him, he's a big fan of uh, basketball. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, hopefully something good <laughs> comes, about, it comes out of that trip. Well, what's happening, you know, number you and I were talking just before the show about the manufacturing in general, that, that segment of the economy, and the fact that it's kind of putting one foot in front of the other heel to toe, heel to toe, uh, without breaking into a stride or a run, what does it look like over the next six months or throughout the end of 2017? Same pace? I think it's more of the same, Tim, than uh, what we, uh, you know, it's actually the last eight or nine years that we've seen uh, this recovery. Uh, the growth has been very slow, but consistent uh and we seem to be struggling uh, to to get that level up. Uh, you know, a couple of things have to happen. One of them is uh, we, we have to improve GDP, uh, and that means we've got to have more investment. We've got to have uh, uh, more, uh, uh, obviously, sales and so on. The demographics uh, where uh, the birth rate is uh, has slowed. Uh, so if you don't get population growth and you don't get GDP growth, uh, it's hard to uh, uh, hard to see significant growth in the overall economy. Uh, and significant growth to me would be something above three uh, percent. That we would like to stay above three percent. But uh, our first challenge is simply to to get to uh, to three percent. It's tough right now because we've got a couple of major issues. One of them is slowing down in the um, auto industry. 
the motor companies are all uh, sitting in on some excess uh, inventory. Uh, the num uh, U.S. light vehicle uh, rate uh, has fallen down uh, uh, to to a still respectable level above 16 million vehicles for the year, but it's uh, uh, certainly less than the 18 that uh, that we saw uh, for much of last year. Uh, so that's a challenge. The Fed is raising rates uh, into a soft economy. Ideally, we'd like to see GDP at three to four percent, and then saying, "Well, good. The Fed needs to uh, uh, raise rates, uh, and that, that'll keep things from getting overheated." Uh, right now, we we just like to see them heated, I guess, uh, as opposed to overheated. Uh, and so uh, that's a challenge. Uh, the housing market is holding up quite well, and and that's pushing things um, through some through through the non-manufacturing sector. If we look at the non-manufacturing sector this month versus the manufacturing, non-manufacturing index is at 56.9. Manufacturing is two points less at 54.9. Both of those are very respectable numbers. Uh, solid, uh, but at the same time, they're not going to get us to the 3 to 4% growth in GDP uh, th- that we see. There's usually a two-point difference, which there is right now, between manufacturing and non-manufacturing. Uh, so uh, how, far, uh, how far do we have to go in the jobs market, for instance? We're at 4.3% unemployment. Uh, though I, I always caution those numbers uh, are subject to large swings uh, that, and several revisions, so uh, I wouldn't make any business decisions on the numbers that, that are out this month based on 4.3%. But I do know as I travel around, I see help-wanted signs. I see uh, significant signs of prosperity that uh, uh, even though car sales may not be where they would like to see them, uh, they are still selling cars. I, I see evidence of that uh, daily in traffic and so on with temporary tags, et cetera, that, that are coming from that. So there's a, there's a lot going on, but uh, I like your analogy that um, we're, we're kind of taking baby steps along and uh, one after the other. Uh, and how long can we go on this way? Uh, I, I think it can it can last well into 18 or 19 uh, but at some point, maybe we see tax uh, plan, new tax plan. Maybe we see an infrastructure plan. Uh, maybe we get an improved health care package. All of those things would be great steps forward toward getting us to uh, 3.5% to 4% in GDP growth. What do you think the uh, quarter percent uh, interest uh, bump this, uh, this week will have on everything that you just said uh i i think uh it would have a, 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 a just a, a negligible impact uh, a mm-hmm. quarter of a rate i i don't think businesses and, and you you know as much or if not more than i do about uh if you have to go to the bank and borrow money a quarter percent interest uh, is not something that you're going to worry a lot about Right, right. Uh, it's the collective, uh, you know, if we get three, four uh, increases, 
that that collectively will have a, a dampening effect on the economy. But I, I still think with interest rates down in the 4 to 5% range, uh, that that's just approaching the true value, of time value of money. Uh, so I think we've got a long way to go before we worry too much about what the, the Fed's doing. It is, one thing is for certain, it's not going to improve the situation. I don't know how much it will hurt it, but I do know it won't improve it. Well, you know, we have uh, All Metals and Forge Group, our, our forging company. Um, and, you know, taking a look at all of the numbers, uh, your numbers and the ISM numbers and uh, uh, many other uh, sets of numbers around around the world uh, are, are pretty much showing, you know, a positive uh, uh, forward movement. Yet when we actually sit in our offices and uh, or go out on the road and talk to our uh, clients and the buyers and so on, that if there's a certain amount of hesitancy. Uh, some of it is uh, caused, uh, I believe, by the, uh, the political situation that's going on or not going on in Washington. Uh, and I think that uh, some manufacturers are holding back on some of the uh, progressive things that they want to do uh, as a result of the uncertainty and maybe instability of what's coming out of Washington. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that, uh, Norbert? Yeah, I, you know, uncertainty is an interesting word. Uh, basically, uncertainty represents risk that can't be defined or estimated. Right. And uh, business is all about accepting risk, right? And, uh, every day. Uh, and you know the risks and so on. But you, and you can live with risk because you measure it, you uh, you plan for it, you do you, those defensive things you need to do, you do the offensive things you need to do. Uncertainty is another category. Uh, when you get there, it creates inertia uh, where people stop doing things and so on, and uh, that, that's the fear. And uh, uh, I'm sure there's periods in, in our history where, the uncertainty coming out of Washington has been equal or greater than what it is right now. But uh, after this long, slow recovery and a period of time when we need more certainty because of the uncertainty that's spread around the world politically right now, uh, this is the time that, uh, uh, that, that we should be growing the economy. We should be pushing the limits on our capabilities to do this and the amount of uh, value that can be created in certainly in the manufacturing sector. So mm-hmm. I, I think it plays a big, uh, plays a big role. Uh, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. One of my concerns, uh, Norbert, for the manufacturing sector in this world of uncertainty is that when Trump was campaigning, he was talking about, tax reform, regulatory reform, health care reform, uh, apprenticeship programs, and now all of Washington is embroiled in investigating uh, Russians, Russian collusion, uh, and the people's work is not getting done. Uh, if that continues, I expect to see some blowback across America and a ripple effect in manufacturing that's 
not a good thing. Uh, what's your sense of that? Uh, I, I think, Tim, we get to the point in, uh, where, where we start thinking in terms of what's going to happen in the midterm elections. Um, if um, the Republicans lose seats, we're going to get more of this uh, stalemate that exists right now. If the Republicans gain seats, uh, uh, they may be able to go ahead and just do whatever it is that they have in their plans and uh, uh, just walk all, all walk all over the opposition to get the, to get the things done that they've promised that the. Uh, American people in, in general said that's what we're looking for. We're looking for change. We're looking for growth. We're looking for a, a different approach than what we've seen uh, in the past. Uh, so I, I think um, uh, the, the midterm election, uh, and it seems like we just keep uh, pushing this ball forward. Of, of first, we need to. Uh, to have the Senate, then we need to have the House, then we need to have a majority in the House, and uh, it's a, a, a 60, 60 vote majority uh, in the Senate uh, in order to be able to pass things. Um, I don't know how much patience, uh, if if uh, we do as we have done in previous elections, we only stay on a track for a certain period of time, then we say let's give somebody else an opportunity to do that. Uh, uh, but right now, as you said, uh, the, the people's work is not getting done. Some people are very happy about that. Others, uh, I guess, are very disappointed that, uh, that that's the case. It's biggest issue to me is who's going to get the blame? Uh, you know, you mentioned... You mentioned Tim that yeah you mentioned before Tim that uh, the people's work isn't getting done. Uh, there's also a factor, and we're really off the mark when we when I start to bring up this because we're not talking about economics and the numbers. But uh, we just had in uh, Bergen County, New Jersey, we just had a uh, primary election, Democrats and Republicans, and the uh, the vote only 15 percent of the people came out and voted. So, you know, the yeah. people's work isn't being done, but how much does the people really the people. care? <laughs> the, and the, I think the, the people, people, and I think we're hearing that now across the country now. I'm sorry, Norbert. Yeah, I, I think the people, and, and I want to get your take on this, Norbert, that we're hearing across the country now as we interview uh, people on our show, is business owners and business leaders are just absolutely set up uh, to use your expression, Lou, choking on their own bile because yeah. progress just isn't being made. And you know, how can manufacturing possibly move forward? Uh, Norbert, sorry to interrupt you. I'd love to hear your take. Yeah, well, uh, I, 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 one, I have confidence that manufacturing will move forward in spite of most of this. Uh, it, it's just how fast and, and how far forward they're able to move because of it. Uh, uh, manufacturing is resilient, and because we focus so much on productivity, uh, I think it uh, it, it kind of keeps keeps uh, things rolling in the right direction for that. Uh, but uh, at some point, uh, somebody's got to take uh, responsibility. You mentioned the election, Lou. 
uh, here in uh, uh, Cobb County, Georgia, we have a, a election for a, a Congress, and uh, we're we're finishing the early voting period, which we have in Georgia, and then the vote is next week. If you don't vote during the early voting, and they've already had 120,000 uh, ballots cast, so uh, some of it is. Uh, Geographical, maybe that uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, maybe in New Jersey they take for granted that the Democrats going to win, so it doesn't matter who goes who goes to vote. Uh, here they're getting both a Democrat and Republican. They're uh, they're they're looking at the uh, election and saying that whoever wins is going to win by a point or two, uh, and, yeah. and with a very heavy vote. Turnout. Well, I think I think you're right about New Jersey. I, I think that the Republicans uh, have a Chinaman's chance in getting voted back in again. Uh, you know, when uh, our present governor has a 10 percent approval rating, I think he's got uh, little or no chance of getting a uh, Republican. And even though uh, the lieutenant governor Kim Cordano is, uh, she's a pretty good. Uh, gal and uh, smart and uh, committed, but I think that uh, Christie has ruined those chances. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Norbert, you mentioned uh, the resiliency of manufacturing, and and everything that Lou and I are picking up on as we interview companies is not just the resiliency of manufacturing, but the currently the kind of the excitement in manufacturing with new technology, automation, robotics, uh, emphasis on the skills gap, apprenticeship. You and I were talking about supply chain, supporting all that just before the show. Uh, Are you seeing across not just the country but the world the same kind of, uh, you know, it's a thrilling place to be in manufacturing right now and maybe for the next decade or so? Well, first of all, I think it will extend well beyond the next decade. Uh, We we have this concern that uh, we're going to have robots doing everything and not going to have people working and so on. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the nature of the jobs is going to change, uh, but uh, I I don't see uh, I don't I don't see them going away. Uh, You know. Uh, I look at it from a macro basis that manufacturing typically 10% of the cost is in labor, whereas in services, 60% of the cost is in labor. So the real advantage of robots is probably to get them and artificial intelligence working where the greatest amount of labor is in terms of uh, the 60% that uh, non-manufacturing cost represents. Uh, So it's going to take a much bigger chunk out of the services sector than it can out of the manufacturing because there's not that much uh, labor left in the typical manufactured product. That's interesting. Hopefully you see that as good news. Pardon? Uh, it's interesting that the labor component in manufacturing is sitting at around 10% with 12 million employed. Right. Uh, fascinating. Right. And uh, if you look at uh, uh, is something going to go offshore, you know, the way I look at it is 
if somebody says, uh, do you think this company will move offshore and produce, uh, I ask them what the labor content is. And if they said it's 25% of the cost, I'd say, yeah, it's probably going to go offshore because it should go to a low-cost country. If you tell me it's 10, 12, 14%, I would tell you that the logistics risk and everything else don't justify going offshore. It needs to stay and be produced in the U.S. You know, that's an interesting, interesting point. Uh, that's an interesting point, Norbert. And uh, you know, Tim and I have been doing this now for a number of years, and I've never heard that analogy uh, verbalized. And uh, you're 110 percent right. Why take it offshore if your cost is only 10 percent of your product? Right. It doesn't make sense. Excellent point. Basic economics that will determine our future. Spoken like and a then- new economist. <laughs> and that's why we always enjoy having you on Manufacturing Talk Radio, Norbert, because there's always some golden nugget you can share with us. Usually comes out in just general conversation. We appreciate having you back on the show. Thanks for being with us. Great to be with you. Thank you, Norbert. And we've been speaking with Norbert Orr, who is uh, with Strategist Research Partners. Uh, he is also a senior correspondent with Manufacturing Talk Radio following all of the purchasing managers' indexes around the world. And we'll be right back after this. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. Elevate your career and stay ahead of the curve with EISM. Brought to you by the Institute for Supply Management. EISM is the first on-the-go lifestyle-compatible learning initiative in the industry. It features hyper-short 15-minute modules and guided learning courses that can be completed in as few as three weeks, just right for you or your team. It's the world's largest one-stop online learning shop for supply management. Register today at ismelearning.org. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment, components, MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials? 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent into your bottom line. All Metals and Forge Group is an ISO 9001 AS and EN 9100 manufacturer of open die forgings and seamless rolled rings in alloy, carbon, stainless and tool steels, aluminum, copper, titanium, and nickel alloys. Visit us at steelforge.com or call 800-600-9290. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. 
We're speaking with Chung Wang, who is our senior international correspondent for Asia. He reports on the North and South Korea, China, uh, Japan, Hong Kong, and all those countries over there. Chung, thank you for joining us again on Manufacturing Talk Radio. Good morning, Tim. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here. And happy Father's Day. Delighted. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Happy Father's Day to you, too. It's been a wonderful weekend over here. Very good. Well, I hope it's been a wonderful weekend in terms of manufacturing. What's happening in China? Well, uh, in terms of manufacturing, it has not been so wonderful for the past month. Um, the PMI index for the for the first month in the past 12 months uh, showed a decline, a, a contraction. It was uh, the Caixin PMI reported at 49.6, which is in the contraction range, and uh, everything except for inventories are have decreased, are on the decrease. So, um, so I guess it hasn't been a really good month for manufacturing. Uh, but on the other hand, it has been uh, investment from the investment standpoint. The um, the the total investment in terms of manufacturing um, has increased by five percent compared to last year, and especially. So in the new energy industries, which increased by 22.5%, um, which, which uh, totaled at $15 billion of investment of, uh, uh, in the new energies industry. Well, that's uh, certainly encouraging. I wish we could get uh, industry investing here in the U.S. That's the one thing that's holding our GDP back a little bit is uh, capital investment. Uh, what about another industry news? What's happening within industries over there, Joe? Well, in the uh, metals industry, uh, there was an interesting move just uh, a few weeks ago. That is the largest privately owned steel company in China, uh, the Shagang Group. They made an interesting move by acquiring for $3.8 billion uh, two data companies. So these companies are completely unrelated to steel making. They are data companies. They provide um, data centers uh, for data services, including one that is uh, Global Switch, which is used by some of the um, larger firms internationally. And uh, this is because Shagang as a steel group is really moving away from steel business because of the overcapacity issue here in China and government's um, plan to reduce capacity. So they are moving towards other revenue sources, and they believe big data is one of those, one of those new revenue sources that they are looking for. Uh, on the other hand, I wanted to point out that uh, Shagang already owns some shares, uh, a significant amount of shares of OEL, online steel trading platform, which is already a trading platform. On, on that platform uh, last year, 38 million tons of steel were traded. So they are moving towards data, but still keeping uh, their steel trading as part of that, uh, part of that idea. Well, it sounds uh, like Shagong is uh, 
on the ball there because they're getting out of steel and into something uh, 21st century, Lou. Yes. One of the one of the uh, I'm not sure if it's an upside or a downside, but when uh, if they're closing down steel mills, which they have been doing, and or divesting themselves and putting monies into other areas, I would think that the steel prices, particularly for export, would uh, ultimately go up significantly. Is, is that a right assumption? Uh, well, not necessarily. I, I, I think ultimately, probably, that would that would be one of the uh, situations. But uh, even at, at current, sta- um, current market, the steel prices fluctuation is not really... Uh, mainly due to capacity. It is this, the steel prices fluctuation are mainly due to raw material fluctuation, as mm. I understand. Uh, overcapacity has been the case for for several years now, and the uh, whichever companies have that has survived are, have learned to deal with it. And this year, um, it has not been a bad year for steel companies. But they are fully aware that uh, contraction is is inevitable. It's uh, mm-hmm. they can't keep all the mills running all the time. Right. It's probably right. good for the uh, probably good for the aircraft uh, folks in terms of aluminum. What's happening in aircraft, uh, John, in China? Uh, yes, as uh, you might know, that most China Chinese uh, aircraft companies. Uh, have um, have more tight ties with the European Airbus. But last uh, just last month, uh, China's largest aircraft leasing company, called the C- Calc, C-A-L-C, China Aircraft Leasing Company, uh, announced that they purchased, they have signed contract to purchase 50 um, Boeing 737 MAX series aircrafts. Uh, which will be delivered until 2023. Uh, the reason they cited for buying this series of Boeing aircraft is because they are these aircrafts are very fuel efficient. So adding to their um, their current fleet, they will have by 2023 226 aircrafts, of which uh, 50 will be these uh, high-tech Boeing aircrafts. Are they going to be produced in the United States with some assembly in China, as Airbus has done? Do you know? That is not completely sure, but up to now, um, Boeing has some subcontracting production in China, but most of the assembly is still done in the U.S. Uh, I have not heard of any plans of putting in uh, an assembly line here. So uh, most likely, I believe these will still be made in the U.S. Okay. Okay, well, that's uh, an interesting piece of news. Now, what's happening in terms of, you know, there's all this technology going on, and renewable energy. What's happening in China in those those areas? Uh, Yes. Um, We we heard that the U.S. just pulled out, out of the Paris Agreement. Uh, so that's a uh, that's a pity for re- renewable energy. Probably the market is going to drop, but um, in China the market has been growing for quite some time. Uh, one is due to the um, the 
need for due to the Paris Agreement and the uh, the target of limiting emissions. So a lot of companies are moving towards green energy, and at, at the same time, the government is providing a lot of subsidies for uh, green energy-related companies. Uh, however, the government doesn't want to do this anymore because it's, uh, the subsidy burden is very high, and also it limits competition on the global market. So what they want to do is to adapt a uh, system that is similar to the European system of green certificates. So instead of subsidizing the green energy production companies, they will issue certificates for green energy produced. And these certificates can be traded from the, 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 from the, the producers of the energy and to the producers, and so indirectly su supporting the green industry, basically. What's going on in Japan, Chung? Uh, is uh, you know with the North Korean issue, and uh, uh, Japan is uh, very uh, concerned, and I would think China would be also concerned about uh, uh, yes. what's going on there with North Korea. Is that having any effect at all on the, the manufacturing sectors, or is it just uh, all political and? worry about life and most, limb mm -hmm. well most of that is worry about life and limb because um, it's become normal here to deal with the the ever ongoing threat of possible war but um, it's been here for a while and nothing's happened and uh, everybody has some all the countries involved have some has especially U.S. and North Korea have some tough talk for each other, but uh, so far uh, nothing has happened, and we hope uh, things will stay peaceful. But of course, this has affected um, you know, mostly from the political and livelihood standpoint, but some in the manufacturing as well. Uh, we're, we're, uh, one of U.S.'s uh, former MBA stars uh, visited Korea just three days ago, uh, four days ago. Uh, on the same day that uh, North Korea released a, a, a U.S. prisoner, as I understand, a uh, U.S. student was released on that, on that day. Yeah, right. Uh, just to kind of wrap up this segment, I am curious about a comment you have in your notes about entangled photon pairs. Not quite sure what it has to do with manufacturing just yet, but I'd like you to share it with the audience. Oh, thank you. That's actually one of my favorite topics. This, uh, this is tangled photon is sort of sci-fi-ish kind of topic because um, by per Einstein's theory, when two photons get tangled together, they could be light years apart, but their movements will be synchronized. So in theory, you could use this kind of entanglement to, uh, to send information across vast distances. And the... Um, and, and people have been trying to prove this theory. People have been trying to entangle photons and then use that to transmit data. Well, uh, I believe NASA and Canada was successful in doing some of this uh, uh, data transmission on land. But this last week, uh, one of China's satellites uh, was able to do this kind of data transmission in space, from space. So between two points, two stations on Earth, they have a space satellite that entangles photons and send one of the uh, photons in the pair down to Earth 
and use these entanglement uh, synchronization to send data. In theory, this could be um, thousands, millions of times faster than the current uh, data transmission we have. The fastest data transmission we have on Earth is uh, the, the broadband cable, is the, is the um, light cable fiber optic cable. But with this photon, we could have instantaneous uh, trans data transmission across a vast distance. So this is what's happening. And next month, what they're going to do is they're going to try a video call. Uh, I believe they already got, um, are in contact with scientists in, in the U.S. for a joint uh, experiment in the near future. What they ought to do is give it to a couple of hackers in Russia and they'll figure it out in a couple of days. <laughs> that might be possible. That might be possible. But just, just, just why I'm really so um, excited about this technology is because this technology will make, make it possible for humans to travel long distances and still communicate with each other. So one of the foundational technologies for possible future intergalactic travel you know, so exciting stuff. Yes, I'm convinced that Einstein was not from the planet Earth. He just was in the form of a human because he was just too damn smart. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With that hairstyle. Well, it's like Lou's hairstyle. He's smart, too. Uh, we appreciate you being on Manufacturing Talk Radio, and thanks for the update on uh, Asia. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you, Chum. So, everybody, thanks for listening today. Uh, we have uh, uh, had some great guests this week, uh, all of them uh, financial folks. Uh, if you want to listen to the Tuesday show, uh, be our, our guest. And just to talk about a couple of things that are coming up, uh, Tim and I have uh, created a new show uh, called women and manufacturing and the first show uh, we don't have it on the schedule yet but we do have a guest i'm not going to tell you who the guest is but she is a an original rosie the riveter just as a tribute to start our show about women in manufacturing it's going to be a very exciting show a very exciting new series for us uh, keep in mind we also have a global perspective with dr adriana sanford and we have our regular show Manufacturing Talk Radio. Also, I uh, hope you picked up on Norbert Orr's golden nugget that he shared with our listeners today. If not, go back and listen to the show. Stay tuned for next week's show. That's going to be uh, it could be a bombshell. We'll see how it rolls out. A lot of people didn't think the housing market was going to be a bust, and it took down Lehman Brothers and some other folks. Uh, we hope it doesn't occur, but you better listen to it at least to find out what's possible. With that, we thank you for listening to Manufacturing Talk Radio. All of our shows are at mfgtalkradio.com. All of our articles are posted there. We hope you come and visit often. Keep in touch with us, and thank you for listening today. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.